But it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. You get a free child's play, we'll use ticket stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Casa Ole, Ole! It's limited time! Oh yeah, episode 19. Episode 19 of Lima Time Time. I am James Yasko with your favorite host of Astros, uh, the the preferred podcast of Astros Twitter, which is actually probably not true after the last week. Uh, Patrick, just Nick Mundy. It's just his favorite. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I trust that dude more than I trust a lot of people. Um, so whatever. But uh, he is Patrick <laughs> McClellan. Patrick, how you been? I've been great. There's good baseball among us. Good baseball. Every, everything's great when there's good baseball. Everything's fantastic. We have we're, it, 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 the podcasts are not as good when they're really good as when as when they're bad. Is that uh, we we kind no, of alluded no, to that? That's a hundred. Well, we have to put in more work when they're good because we have to come up with hypotheticals. Um, we have to come up with uh, lighthearted stuff. When yeah. they're bad, we can just lit. I mean, you should see the the notes from like our first five episodes uh, <laughs> to the to the notes that we do now pre-show, and they're very drastically different. They are. They're much more profane. So, so <laughs> this episode like, well, just says we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Bravado Spice. Patrick, tell the good people about Bravado Spice and why they're idiots for not having already bought a bottle. All right, well, okay, number one, if you haven't tried it yet and you listen to this podcast, you are not a good person. You're a traitor. Um, and now, unless there was you, it's not in your town or you haven't been able, unless you have a valid excuse, you're not a bad person. But for the thousands and thousands of people that do have access to Bravado Spice, you have no excuse and you need to go try it. And uh, one of the biggest campaigns they're running right now and I support them in this fully, not only because they are a sponsor, but they're friends, and they deserve it. Uh, we are trying to get Bravado Spice into every Kroger and every HEB. There is nothing more Houston than than HEB. It's true. So, um, and not to slight Kroger, I, I shop. I love Kroger, so I'm not slighting them either. But uh, so I, I'd like to ask Astros Twitter and anybody who's a fan of the podcast. Or the hot sauce. Any of us. We're all coming together to unite to tweet at HEB and Kroger to uh, to get Bravado Spice in their stores. They're willing to do a pop-up. They're willing to do a tasting. They'll do anything. Um, and they deserve it because they rep our city well and they're delicious. And uh, let's, so let's make that happen. And we have a good baseball team. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. We've got, we got a good hot sauce company. We've got a good baseball team. Everything's great. Stop playing Pokemon. Team Valor sucks. Oh, burn. Damn. Got it. Got him. All right, let's do this. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk, let's talk about it. Let's, before we get into the issues of uh, the obvious Bregman and uh, Chris Sale and the Angels and the Hall of Fame uh, and the Unis the Astros wore today, we're, we're going to get to those uh, those topics here here very soon. But But I feel like we've... There was a lot of backlash to the Nick Mundy episode. 
uh, last Sunday night, which if you have not listened to that, you should definitely download episode 18, <laughs> Nick Mundy Time Time. Um, what a good, it was one of my favorite shows we've had. It was so much fun. Why did people hate it? They don't, well, no, they don't, people don't understand that when somebody calls out a group of people, it doesn't. So, I, he took personal offense to him calling Astros fans dumb, and people, specifically people on Astros Twitter. Yeah. And he, and he like I did when I called out Astros Twitter and got the same kind of back. He's talking about the idiot reply of us in, that are heavily involved with Astros Twitter and, and, and tweet constantly about the team. You get some replies from some interesting people. And they're not always sane and they're not always great replies or they're completely negating what you just said. So that's what he was alluding to. And he hasn't been around enough to know all of the great people that you and I are friends with. Yeah. And that are very knowledgeable of not only the game, but the team, the history, and are diehard fans. So, yeah, he took a couple of shots at, you know, the the Fairweather fans that, that weren't around for the tough years. But um, that's not – doesn't mean everybody, guys. So – Stop being reactionary and thinking everything's about you. It's not about you. I feel like... Or maybe it is. Maybe you're the problem. It, de- it depends who I'm talking to. Yeah, I, I feel like you sort of you sort of know if you're the problem. Um, maybe you, I don't think some of them do. No, to, I to think... To be yeah. perfectly honest. Some, some of them are doing it on purpose, but there are some that are very clueless. And, and I have them on my personal page that reply to every single joke I write. And it's just they don't know they're annoying and that they – like they, they'll they tweet me the punchline or they'll try to add to the joke. No, I was like, I just wrote this joke. Like I know what it means. <laughs> don't tell me what my joke means. <laughs> and it just gets really old. And I don't know. He reps Houston very hard and he can't announce the movie yet, but he just scored a role in a major motion picture. So congrats, Nick Mundy. Nice. Um, I told him, I gave him the invite to not only come on whenever he wants to, but to, uh, when he's doing promos for the show to, uh, come back on and promote the movie and yeah. talk some more shit to Astro's Twitter. I don't care. We'll, hey. we'll, we'll loan Wolf it if we have to, Whoop. but just, just know guys, you know, if you're good and if we're, if, if James and I are talking to you, then you're safe. Yeah. For the most part. Like, if we're having a normal discussion and you can just debate, and I'm not saying don't argue. I'm not saying don't debate or have differing, like, have the same opinion. Just don't be an asshole. I I made the comparison that Astro's Twitter has PTSD, and I do not want to minimize uh, the the scourge that is PTSD. Um, oh, it's, yeah, it's bad. Because it, 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 in, in, in no way should anyone make light of that. But it's sort of like if the I – mean, I, I made that comparison because, like, if if the if the Astros lose one game, it's like oh, it's 2012 again. Like it's, it's play to play. It's it's come down to play to play, and th- and that's that's what bothers me the most because when I'm not watching, which is not too often, but every once in a while we're all out doing stuff. We all got lives. Yeah, I I follow it on either Twitter or um, you know usually just Twitter. 
because I can find out in a second what happened rather than waiting for the update from one of the apps. Yeah. So, but it's reactionary on, I mean, pitch by pitch, play by play. And it's like, just, it's baseball. Yeah, it was a bit outside. Oops. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he should have got to that grounder. Oh, no. He didn't run hard enough. Oh, that was foul. It's just, that's the game. Like, it's a long season already. Don't make it longer. Exactly. Perfect. That's great. But I, I apologize for anybody whose feelings got hurt. I, You know I love you Astros fans. You root for the team I root for. We're all a uh, united bunch, and I think we all saw that during the All-Star campaign for George Springer. We all came together, and we're good people down here and in the great state of Texas and anybody who roots for this team all over the country and world. so They're solid. Yep. We don't hate you. I don't hate you. No. So, come on. You're you're listening to our podcast. Why would why would we hate and alienate our our listenership? Seriously, that's just stupid. It's, yeah, that's that's poor business and it's poor interpersonal skills too. So if if you took offense, I I would like to offer an apology. Uh, that I'm sorry you felt the way that you did. I hope that it wasn't because of us. But but please understand, like we're trying to kind of grow a brand here. Like it's not we're not trying to piss anybody off. Well, that's not true. We'll piss a few people off, but yeah, I don't care about yeah. But I'm with you on that. But I mean, come on, like I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand, like the we what ultimately what we both want to do is to make a little bit of coin on this, and alienating our listenership is not the way to, to do that. So because the only people listening to this are Astros fans right yeah, now, it's not so like why some... would we just say? All of you guys are the worst, and we hate you. Yeah, that's just. I mean, even even if we truly believed it, I would lie to you. <laughs> right. It's it's not like we've so got. We, it's, we don't yeah, have. It's just ridiculous to have that notion that that we think all of Astros Twitter and all of Astro fans are dumb. That's just really really stupid. Yeah. So, so you guys are stupid for thinking that. Y'all are all stupid for thinking that. Everyone is stupid. <laughs> Screw you. Piss off. I hope you die in a fire. Um. Too we much? have a good team, guys. Let's all get happy. Let's cut the crap, <laughs> and let's get all back on the same page, and let's win this fucking pennant. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I, it's I fu- going to. I fully believe it. Um, okay, said it today. So let's get let's get into. Uh, we had to switch things up because of what happened this afternoon. Uh, it's the Brexit. It's Alex Bregman coming up. <laughs> you did it. I did it. Um, Brexit is coming up to Houston. He will be on the 25-man roster tomorrow. Denny Wirth, who is not valuable in any way uh, to the Astros anymore, um, or really hasn't been in the last few weeks, uh, or at all. He is very valuable to my uh, MLB The Show team. He is fucking raking, but that's neither here nor there. Carry on. Wait, I played that game for two nights because I, w- I was in Houston over the weekend and my dad has a PS4. I don't because I'll, if I had a PS4, I'd be divorced and homeless and unemployed. It's kind of hard, right? It's kind of difficult. Well, I played the, the road to the show. That's what I, that's what I started oh, with. Oh, yeah, that's, that's always fun. So but, then I your cr- guy gets, but then your guy gets too good because you played enough, and then every pitch you're hitting a home run and you're shattering all these crazy records. And then it just gets no more. It's just not fun anymore when you're hitting five home run games. And it sounds like it would be, but it's not. See, I I created a shortstop named Dickie Thon who had a mustache um, because I've heard of a guy like that. That's my brand. Um, 
And I mean, I've played like I, I, it's two nights, you know, after my kid goes to bed and before like my, my dad and his wife want to go to bed. And, and it's, so I play like five weeks worth of games and I'm hitting like 670. I mean, I don't, you got to change the, yeah, you got to, there's something, well, you're obviously not playing right now anymore because you, you're back there, no. but yeah, there's like a, they have a, uh, setting on there that kind of adjusts to how you're playing. Interesting. So if you're having a difficult time pitching, and which is very difficult on that, um, or hitting, it kind of uh, scales back and forth based on how you're playing. Because it, I, I don't know, it, it robots, man. Well, at, at Thanksgiving when I go back, I'll I'll pick it up and I might change the setting or I might just continue to rake. I don't care. So. I've got a uh, 28 game hit streak going for Altuve that that's the only thing I care about I want that DiMaggio streak <laughs> but all these guys that we hate are killing for me and like I have Singleton up and he's playing first right now and he's just he's just tearing the just tearing the cover off the ball it's just it makes me happy every time somebody Castro is playing great Castro was an all-star JSD JSD baby. Okay, let's talk some real baseball. All right, so uh, uh, so Alex Bregman's coming up. Um, he'll be in uniform tomorrow. Do you think he starts? We talked about this before the show. Um, I honestly don't know. You were very emphatic with a yes, and I think there's a reason they called him up, and it's kind of out of nowhere. Even though he's been knocking on the door, so I say yes, he does. Uh, if it, it, DH at the minimum, but uh, he plays tomorrow. I agree with that. I think he plays tomorrow. I think he starts at third, and I think Valbuena shifts over to first. Um, but I, but I, I'm really intrigued by this whole Bregman playing left field thing because, I mean, you look at Marwin got hurt today. Okay, so so yeah, and, and, and ankle. We, yeah, I, we, I think it looked like an ankle. I don't know. I didn't read the. Uh, the actual report, but we, that's what it looked like. We don't know how serious that injury is, but Valbuena could feasibly move over to first base, and Bregman could play sort of his second position, which is third, and you upgrade, you know, two positions with one move. All right? Or, you know, you have faith in the fact that Bregman hasn't embarrassed himself over the course of the last week, Um at Fresno, and he shifts into left field, but that takes away from Colby Rasmus. Who do you think? Who do you think this this move impacts more? And we're off notes here. Do you think it impacts Valbuena or Rasmus more? Do you think he plays more third or left? Um, and, and I'm going to ask you a follow up question here, and like, I'm going to ask you a follow up in like two minutes on that. But do you think Bregman plays more third or left? Uh, for the time being, that's a that's interesting. I think it could be either or. Um, I, I I would have to go with left field, um, and I think it affects. To go back to your earlier question, I think it affects Rasmus more in the immediate, just because of how Valbuena's swinging the bat. I saw something on Twitter earlier that that was something to the fact that Altuve has twenty six hits since Rasmus's last hit or some something like that. I, I don't I didn't look up the exact number. I have no idea. But it's something very close to that. That's not even embellishing. And uh so uh, the second Valbuena shuts down 
and stops producing like he is, if he does, then I think it shifts. But the way Hinch is, I think it shifts based on who's producing. I don't think Colby stays in the gutter for long. He's just hanging with his possums and getting ready for a resurgence. That's that's the way I feel about that. He's a guy that can pop off at any time and get streaky, and he's always been kind of a uh, feed-off-himself kind of guy. He has one three-hit game, hits two home runs, and then all of a sudden he's back. So I, I don't panic about Rasmus like I do or like I did Carlos Gomez or somebody that just completely shuts down and can't swing a bat. Everybody gets the yips and can't hit. Well, I mean, I can sort of relate a little bit to Rasmus. He he's had an ear infection and he got a, he missed some time earlier in the season with an ear infection. I ruptured my eardrum like six weeks ago and I don't feel the same like at all. Like I there there's so many other things that go into it, and I'm not defending how terrible Rasmus has been, but I'm I'm trying <laughs> no, to no no there's merit there's merit to that. My ear pops. In the grocery store, it doesn't pop back, and I'm fucked up for like a week. <laughs> so, like, I know, like, even an ear infection is enough to just throw you off. Uh, anything, baseball, it, it's it's so it's such a different game in that sense that something like that, honestly, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but something like that honestly could throw a player off. Something with a song, you can't hear a certain thing. Something with a rhythm, I swear to God, like it's plausible yeah. that an ear infection is affecting the possum king. No, I, maybe I, maybe one of his favorite possums bit him and he's he's feeling rejected. <laughs> he's gonna take a bowie knife and he's gonna he's gonna stab his ear. Like he's gonna go if, if anyone's gonna go Van Gogh uh this season for the Astros, it's totally gonna be Rasmus and he's gonna show up with like a head bandage and it's gonna be amazing and he's gonna hit four home runs with a head bandage and that's what he's gonna do for the rest of the season. I believe it. So you mentioned, I mean, it's sort of a, okay, I'm trying to kind of process this as we talk about it, but, but what Hinch has been able to do, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that it's with the help of the front office is that he's been given options. And we talked last week about how they don't approach the DH like it's David Ortiz, like he can't play in the field, but twice a week. But, I mean, you've basically got some floating parts here that with with Valbuena, with Marwin, with Bregman, you can sort of float around and Correa, you know, if you want to give, yes. give him a night off, you can sort of float between shortstop, third base, left field, first base, DH, and, and have some flexibility there. So I guess my question is, like, what happens with Guriel? When, because that dude's not getting paid ten million dollars a year to to ride the pine. Like he's gonna have a defined role to make him comfortable and sort of establish himself as a leader. Like, are you okay with sort of the the floating lineup, the floating defensive alignment? Are you good with that? It's funny because I've been vocally against the the non. Continuity is it? Uncontinuity, incontinuity. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, I went to school for English. Um, <laughs> I originally didn't like it, and this team and the way they approach it has made me do a complete 180 on that. So I love the the fluid lineup approach, and and I'm wondering is this why everybody hates 
the DH because you can do shit like this with depth and you become a super team because you can do things like this and you get more players in? Is this why people hate the DH? I don't know. I don't know how many like, I feel Like, I feel like that's why it is. So now it's like, oh, no, we don't have a place for him? Oh, Bregman can hit tonight. Oh, he's not running so well but can still hit? Oh, he well, he's going to DH. It, it's just... See, I like it. it. It gives a fluidity to the team that we already have. It gives us options. AJ Hinch and the team and the organization has always been about options, and that's what we have now. So let's see what we do with said options. See, I don't know how many American League teams are doing what the Astros are doing, and and instead of giving the aging slugger all the DH spots, and and we talked about this no, last week. No, no. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I'm the worst interrupter in the world. No, and it's something good. I'm actually working on. The girlfriend's not a big fan of it, and I don't do it as disrespect. <laughs> so I'm sorry for that. It's the, <laughs> seriously no. It's the fact that I ha- like if I don't get a point across, I forget. My wife and, and, and I have gone had forever, the- and I it's and I hate it. So I'm working on that. So my deepest apologies. My and wife- now I've already forgotten. What my uh, what my point was? My wife and I were uh, tomorrow will be thirteen years of marriage, and we have had this discussion in the last week. So it, it won't get better. Just to make you feel better. Okay. Well, okay. So let's let me think here for a second. Um, hmm. Phil, you're supposed to fill while I'm thinking. Do you not do you not know how this works? No, I'm letting you think. I don't know. You want you want to do uh, you want to do uh, dead air? Can we do a dead air segment, or just just dead air? I'm just hoping you're thinking while you're talking nonsense. I'm not. I'm not. That's the that's the worst part about this is that I'm not at all. I'm I'm thinking about how I'm going to get out of this. All right, all right. So let me let me interject here because one of the other <laughs> yeah, interject. This is where I need you. Thank you. One of the other options for the DH spot is is a guy like Evan Gaddis, where and and this is one of the things we we're going to talk about was that. Was Gaddis as a hitter while being catcher as opposed to while being DH? And I think this is something that we sort of, as fans, don't understand: is that there's a there there are second, third, and fourth levels to playing baseball at a major league level that that we don't get. Because you would think, and in the way that I would think, is that that being a DH would be a whole lot easier. Like it takes a lot of pressure off. All you have to do is focus on hitting. And you do a lot better. Um, and so I looked at the numbers this morning before today's 13-3 to Astros win over the Angels. Um, Gaddis is a catcher when his defensive position is catcher. And it's like 22-23 games. It's 310, 337, 702. Oh. That's, a, yeah. that's a 1019 OPS. That's like, like Babe Ruth... Is, is is looking at that thinking not bad kid, all right? And he and he's on a train smoking a cigar. That's right, banging. Yeah, chicks. no, no, exactly. I I love this point of view and this argument, and I think there's merit to it because I, I in no way am I comparing myself to a, a competitive baseball player, but as I got older and played in some DH leagues, when I had to DH or opposite when I didn't have to hit i didn't like either or it it takes away an aspect of the focus because you're not worried about the next thing you're doing so you can fuck around in the dugout and you can clown around now you can't do that anyway 
but there's something to having your mind be focused and being like, all right, what's the next thing I need to do? And I think that really is helping Gaddis. Okay, so to, to build on that, because you have personal experience with that, Gaddis has a 1039 OPS when he is the catcher. When he's the DH, it is a 579 OPS. Like, his, his offensive numbers are double at catcher what they are when he's the DH. And Hinch said... And I'm I've I've lost the I closed the tab that had it, but Hinch was basically <laughs> like Hinch was basically like, all right, so maybe the the deal with Gaddis is that he has to pay attention when he's the catcher, like he has to pay attention the whole game rather than the the four and a half minutes when he goes up to the up to bat for like you know forward bats. So right. So so you buy that? I I buy into the fact that it could be the case. I, I, I've witnessed it to a certain extent. So I'm not saying that's what it is. He could just be hot right now, and it is what it is. And the Angels are absolute trash. And I even texted this to you earlier when we were doing pre-show prep, is that do we count stats against the <laughs> shitty-ass Angels? <laughs> well, the Rangers... And sad, sad, sad ghost of Tim Lincecum. Oh, God, I feel so Tim, bad Tim Lincecum. Did I call him Ted? I, uh, he is Ted Lincecum. And that's who he is, is Ted Lincecum. Right now he's totally Ted Lincecum. He's like, like he just looked. There were a few shots where he just like he looked like a scared little kid. Uh, I, I don't. I've never seen anything like it. And I had a few conversations with multiple people on Twitter where it was just like it's sad to see one of the most dominant pitchers of my era look like this. Is Tim Linscom the Tiger Woods of baseball? No. Minus Tiger Woods is uh, on a much higher plane. I like uh, give me a second to think of a a better comparison. Like how do you just how do you just I, and I hate it. Like I but I, I kind of wanted yes in the sense that it just dropped off and it was just gone. Yeah, but like Tiger's had well Tim had injuries too, so I, he just wasn't as great as as Tiger Woods was like super great and Lincecum was just great. So maybe I'm just splitting hairs here i don't know i i don't like it i i love tim linscombe when he was with the giants and he was amazing and he was one of the uh, he was the best when he was at peak tim linscombe tim linscombe yeah i just feel bad for him because he's like a skinny i don't know i'm not skinny owner uh yeah i just i don't know it just it bothers quit me. smoking like how do you how do you drop off? <laughs> maybe it's the I'm I'm uh, yeah I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. So to kind of build on what we were talking about, um, you know, I thought okay, maybe Hinch plays Gaddis at catcher, and you're willing to give up a little bit, you know, defensively to Castro so that you can get Gaddis's bat in the lineup. But yeah. how much though? He's throwing everybody out. Like so, th- he's got the, one of the best ratios in throwing guys out. So yeah, there are some a few more quote unquote wild pitches. Yeah, I, I feel like they've given like him the benefit of the doubt on a few of those. Yeah, that's white. Obviously, pass balls. It's white privilege. White pri- total white privilege. So, um. but, but I, <laughs> coming into today and not counting today's thirteen to three win over the Angels, Gaddis behind the plate. Opponents had a six ninety OPS, while opponents against Castro had a seven twenty eight OPS. Like that's almost forty points. And I know it's a it's a much it's about a third. Gaddis is 
has had about a third of the starts behind the plate that that Castro has. So there's plenty right. of time for that to kind of correct itself. But would you feel comfortable with letting Castro walk this offseason and making Gaddis sort of your four to five day catcher next year? Dude, that's that's tough. And as hard as I've been on JSD, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'd like to see how he progresses the more times he gets behind the plate. So I, I think I need more data on that. Um, I'm not completely against it. I'm not completely against it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not sold either. So I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be indifferent on that one. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about, like, 23 starts, which is, what, like, 12% of a season? Like, it could just be, like, a random thing. But I'm I'm sort of okay with, with Hinch understanding the psychological side of, like, maybe because Gaddis has to pay attention the whole game, like, he's better overall. Right. Yeah, but I think we are vastly underrating the aspect of calling a game. Yeah, and I think that's something that, and and not it's not like somebody else can't call it or he can't learn to do that. But uh, pitchers are very comfortable with uh, with Castro, and 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 Castro's been fine as of late. But I think there's there's upside to Gaddis. Like I think Gaddis could become like a like a power like the next powerhouse hitting catcher than Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez. Okay, if he if everything came together, and I know that's a very I'm gonna get shit for saying that, but that's just I'm just throwing a name out there. Like he's got the power to be that kind of catcher, and I think, where he's gonna produce. I think we've what, already seen it. The what, ability to yeah, what he what he's shown so far is that he deserves a few more looks to uh-huh. see if it's for real. Uh, or to see if it's like a fluky thing where, you know, you only bat for, you know, a, a couple times a game, three, four times a game, and maybe you don't pay as much attention because, you know, you don't have to play defense. I don't know. But it's, it's a, no, it, it it's, absolutely. That's definitely it. There's a, there's a focus thing to it, and, and it may even be subconsciously. Like, you just, you get to relax. You don't have to worry about doing... When you're DHing, like, oh, I don't have to worry about fucking up in the field. And and maybe I was younger, and that was just a nerves thing to me. But, like, it took the whole edge off. And sometimes that edge is what makes you play at your best because it's a competitive thing. So then you have to turn it back on stepping into that on-deck circle. So you have to get hyped up to play at a high level very fast. And I think there's definitely something to that. And I wish we had... Some sort of a uh, we got Morgan Innsberg's take on this, or one of the uh, psychological guys, because I'd, I'd be interested to hear what their take is on this. And because I because I think it's I, I think it's definitely there's something to it. Well, Gaddeth came up to the catcher, so maybe it's more yeah, for com- sure. It, it's mo- maybe he's more comfortable being behind the plate, even though. His body type, his age, his experience wouldn't necessarily lend itself to being a high-level catcher. Maybe the the sort of the growing aspect of of learning how to play baseball has something to do with it. So so he's more comfortable, and that it's one of those intangibles that that makes him a better baseball player doing what he's been fam, you know more familiar with. 
I, I don't know. I want to see more of it just to see if it pans out. But are the Astros in a position where they can just sort of experiment with Evan Gaddis at catcher? Yes. I mean, and I mean, depending on what the experiment is, but yes, uh, the way the lineup is and the, the way the depth is, I mean, how, how long has it been since we've had any production at catcher? So it's all gr- in the green if we get any kind of production. So, yeah, yeah play Never. around with it. Do it. Uh, especially when Altuve's hitting 360, 361, wherever the shit it is now. <laughs> um, and I, I even tweeted this, like, Carlos Gomez gets to hit 211, 212 when you got a, a player hitting 360-something. So that's the way a team works. So... Yeah, experiment it, play with it. So, and you might like, man, this lineup could be when if everything came together at one time, we're unbeatable yeah. offensively. Yeah, and, and there's some defensive question marks and, and starting pitching stuff and all that. But if this team comes together all at once offensively, I don't think there's a better lineup in the league. So we're eight days from the trading deadline. What, right. what move do you want to see the Astros make, if any? See, that's a that's a hard question to to answer because it we have to go hypotheticals with actual people. It depends what we're giving up, for who, for what's the contract, what are we dealing? Um, I wouldn't mind Chris Archer. Well, 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 keeping in mind that. Basically, in the next three weeks, the Astros are adding both Alex Bregman and Yulieski Gurriel. So we need starting pitching. Those are two definite upgrades. You know, going from yeah, there, starting that's pitching. Fan, that's I'm, fantastic. I'm we need a starting pitcher. Who do you, who gets bumped? Who do you want to see get bumped? Mike Fires. He's. I'm not impressed with Fires. Fires just doesn't. I, I, and I, I like Fires. I have no problem with him. He's he's a good guy. Um, I mean, do you give Feliz another shot? Do you give Musgrove a shot? Yes. I don't know what the that's that's what I would like to see is give every uh, Davinsky give give all these guys another shot if they're not going to go. I don't want to go give up somebody on a risk on on a flyer. Um, I'd rather with the depth we have in in our farm system. I think um, the move is to let's just test these guys out and see what happens, but. It's difficult when you're in a pennant race and it's close and everything's crucial. So it's it's hard to fool around to like you know. Yeah. You said experiment like you can only do so much, especially with pitchers. It's different when you're dealing with a position that isn't supposed to produce offensively uh, historically. I think as of right now, I think Musgrove is better than Fires, and so he deserves the shot. And he and I mean one of our first. First episodes, first five episodes, we were calling for him to get a shot. Yeah. And yeah, we were in panic mode and, you know, the apocalypse was here. Yeah. But he deserved it and he hasn't really dipped off. No. If you dominate the way that Joe Musgrove has dominated a triple A, like it, it, it's not a guarantee, but it's at least a predictor that things are going to be okay. Like, he did the Bregman equivalent of knocking on the door. He it's just true. got I don't know why it wasn't publicized the same. And I don't know if that was on purpose, but he Bregman was a little bit better in terms of what he did, but 
Bregman's been ridiculous. Musgrove was like when he had like a point three four ERA for a while, where he was just <laughs> mowing everybody down. He yeah. was unstoppable. So there was some very similar things happening there, but there was no calling for heads and harassing and. When's he gonna come up? Yeah. I, I think Musgrove needs a shot, and I and I'd like to see Devo and even Feliz get another shot too. There's so many options, I mean, and we we keep that's going back. and that's what I love and yeah. hate at the same time. It's it's Musgrove, it's Brady Rogers, it's Michael Feliz, it's Chris Davinsky. Yes. I mean, it's yes. anybody could throw could could step in and throw six seven innings, and you wouldn't feel bad about it. It's not like Lucas Harold that you're trying to kind of hope. Like bewitches the devil to to have a decent start. Like it's such a we kind of keep going back to this options idea, and with that, with with the with Francis Martis, with Brady Rogers, with Joe Musgrove, yeah. with with any number of pitchers, do you want the Astros to trade for Chris Sale? It it all depends on what we're giving up. Um, I would I entertain any offer at this point. Entertain, just look at it, see what it is. So nobody's off the table. Um, I think Chris Sale knew what he was doing, and he hasn't been happy with that organization for a while, and that stemmed from the uh, the Adam LaRoche kid in the clubhouse thing. So he, he's. <laughs> you think he's orchestrating his way out? Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't mind a hothead. I wouldn't mind a guy like that in this clubhouse. I think there's enough people around here to keep that shit from going down. And if Chris Sale's in this rotation, we're talking World Series. Um, oh, that wow. being said, Bregman is a no-go. I, it's, he's just he's not not tradable to me. So any any trade for a guy like Sale is going to in, include. McCullers. It's going to include McCullers. It's going to include Probably Musgrove. And Musgrove. It's going to include Martes. And maybe like Derek Fisher. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. It'll kill us. I mean, it won't kill us, but I mean, it'll it'll yeah. We're. I don't know if maybe this negative press helps a little bit, which it might. And he, and who they're still in it. They're not playing well or anything. But it's who knows if he's even for sale. Ha. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, he's total. He's a total puss for what he did with the uniforms last night, right? I think that's fucking hilarious. He snuck in and batting practice and, and cut them all up because he didn't want to wear them. I, I'd love to hear the full story. There was an argument. There was something that happened. The, the The uniform is a he did it, but it's like a euphemism for something or a metaphor, or whatever <laughs> the fuck the right term is. Some something, yeah, foreshadowing. I don't sh- fucking know. But yeah, something happened. It wasn't just the uniforms. I think. Um, that, yeah, yeah, he says that he says we're playing shitty right now. The ball club doesn't care. They're worried about what uniforms are wearing. The head, their heads aren't in the right place. And if that's what he meant, and that's the truth, then that's a competitor that I want on the team. Yeah, well, and he, he did start for the AOL in the fucking All Star game, and has been to five of them. So uh, yeah, I, I'd take him, and I would take him for a bunch of prospects, as long as. Uh, a few guys are protected, but yeah, we lose McCullers in that one. And but I, I'm fine with that. That's Chris Sale. He has proven major league dominant talent. Has McCullers not proven? Uh, and I'm just being devil's advocate. Devil's advocate this here. Is, has this Mc- has nothing to do with McCullers. Okay, I think he turns into a number one one day. 
I think he's an ace. I just he's not there yet, um, and I would hate to see him go. I just think he is part of that deal because they're going to want, especially with them being sort of in it, they're going to want a guy that they can put in the rotation right now. Yeah. So um, this is. I, I, I would love to see Lance McCullers develop as a as an Astro and become the ace that I think that he he will be one day, um, and one day soon. Like I don't I don't think it's too far off, but I'm pretty sure he's in that deal if that's on the table. I'm pretty sure he's in a lot of deals if uh, we're talking, you know, major league talent. Unless we, you know, I don't know. Part of me goes back to the the Ken Giles deal that the Phillies wanted McCullers and they said no, and so they went with Velasquez. Right. Like part of me feels like that's kind of a framework that that sort of you know the the most pressing need going into last offseason was a fireball reliever, and the Astros protected McCullers, quote unquote, protected McCullers. And and sort of let Velasquez go. I think that's kind of a predictor that I don't see McCullough. Yeah, I don't see him. I don't see him going anywhere now. For Chris Sale, I'm okay. With, but that that's what I'm saying. Chris Sale changes everything. Yes, I would love to protect McCullers. I, I I think he's worth protecting. And I think, like I said, I think he will be an ace. Um, his stuff is just too, too good, and he just needs some experience and some control stuff. And he's going to be just fine. And uh, so, yeah, I, part of but, me, would, part of me would rather just hold on to him if he's going to be a, if he's going to be a Chris Sale type figure for the next five years. Then, then just hold on to him. What do you think? How old is how, how old is Chris Sale? I was I'm looking that up. Right I'm, I'm, now. I'm, I'll, I'll look it up right now. So that that plays into it. Um, but again, Chris Sale is a five time All Star. Started for the AL this year. He's twenty. So this is twenty-seven years old. He's twenty-seven years old. Okay, so he's in his peak right now. So you got you're five on the, to ten. Yeah, you're on the. You've got three years of peak, and then however much of of downturn. Uh, yeah, I don't like McCullers in that deal. Um, but at the same time, you can't guarantee anything in baseball. But that's. Chris Sale changes everything when you're talking a normal trade, yeah. Because of who he is, and uh, Chris Archer doesn't like if Tampa Bay wants McCullers. You can tell them to go die and like die in the Bay of Tampa, <laughs> like fucking burn that and fucking move. Oh, you're in Saint Petersburg, you idiots! You're not even in the right city. That's right. So yeah, so he changes everything. He's that good. Chris I, like little, I like a little attitude in the clubhouse, and this could all be for nothing because I honestly don't think he's for sale just because he did that weird, bizarre shit. And like I told you earlier, Matt Albers got the start and pitched very well for them uh, <laughs> because of that. Our boy. And I cannot wait to have him on in the offseason and, and get the uh, the Matt Albers take on this, this incident. Yeah. Like yeah. it's going to be epic. It's gonna be great, uh, Chris Archer. By the by, I if if I did my math right, is about six months older than Chris Sale. Hold on. Okay. Hold hold on. Let me. Which is. Dad gum like pop up windows help. You say dad gum? What I are you, did. Kobe Rasmus? <laughs> I got a dad, possum. The dad gum 
internet. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> All right. Chris Sale, September 1988. No, pardon me. Chris Archer, uh, September 1988. Um, Chris Sale. March 1989. So, so Chris Archer is six months older than Chris Sale. Does that change anything for you? Or is that close enough where you're like, whatever? But so here's my question: Like the Rangers are sworn nemesis, who we would, who I mean, if I beat up a, a Rangers fan, it could be legitimately categorized as a hate crime, like because I that's how much I hate the Rangers. The Rangers are likely going to get one of the two. Would you preemptively? Would you pull a Yankees Red Sox and preemptively make a trade so that the Rangers didn't get? that person that's something yeah that when i heard that that was somebody they were going after which of course they are because they're desperate and they're pieces of shit yeah um yeah that would just make me happy long as it doesn't compromise the future of this franchise i say stick it to them any way we can well, I think Sale and Archer are going to cost some major pieces. I mean, because there's no real good reason for either of them to trade those players other than restock their farm system. Right. So I don't yeah. see a I don't see a point. I, uh, I I I guess I'm I'm torn between going for it and and understanding that your minor league guys and your scouting department knows what they're doing and things have been pretty great so far so you just kind of ride it out and see what happens um speaking of the rangers and sale i i saw something earlier that said that that was no longer on the table that they're, they're no longer interested and that could just be twitter fodder which it normally is well but yeah I, did. I mean i mean we're eight days away and, or so. throw us off the scent typical rangers devil witchery no telling what they're up to, but they're not very good right now, which is great. They took two of three from Kansas City at Kansas City. So Kansas City's not that great right now. You know who is great? Toronto. That's who we need to worry about. Are you focused on the division or are you focused on a wild or is it a division is priority one, wild card is priority two? Like what do you think is more attainable? Uh we're taking the division. We're taking the division and I'll settle for the number one wild card spot. That's that. But no, we're taking this division. This is the best team in the AL West, and we'll see what happens at the trade deadline if they if they do anything. But we've already gotten better with Bregman and and Yuli. So, duh, yeah, I, I think we catch the Rangers, and I think we win by five games plus. God dang! I think All we right. run. I think we, I think we run away with it. I really do. I think we play them and next time we play them and I think we take care of business and do what they did to us and just just put it all to shame. So there's nine games left against the Rangers. Uh, I think we take seven of those. You think the Astros... Oh, okay. So you think they go seven and two? Minimum. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk... No, I, I think it, this, is a, this is a different time. We live in a different time, boys. It's a different team now. <laughs> Colby, thank you. Yeah, just help us a little bit, Colby. Come come through every now and again. No, nah, I'd sign him for $10 million next year if he hit 
12 home runs in the nine remaining games against the Rangers. Yeah, what are his? Do you have any of those sites pulled up right now? Um, I'll pull. Up, I can pull them up. Give me a second. I can pull. Yeah, up. no, I'm I'm doing it. It's all, right, all good. good. Oh, fuck you, Siri. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't usually talk to her like that. I respect women. <laughs> no, but I think. Yeah, I mean those nine games are absolutely and, and Rangers fans, whom I hate, uh, basically categorically. Like, they'll look at those nine games and be like, whatever, we're going to take seven of those. Like, we're going to take eight of those. So whatever lead you build up, we're going to get it back when we play you. It's not the same team. And, okay. But I, but I want them to keep thinking that so that their incredulity, uh, when the Astros actually show up for one of these series, like, 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 like it happens. So I'm... Part of me wants the Rangers fans to think everything's going to be fine just so that when they hit their head on the side of the tub because they slipped on the soap, it's going to make it that much more shocking. And I'm not trying to make out like a like a murder-suicide thing. No, I, I, I get it. I think they all know, and that's what's been so fun is they're, they're like coming to this weird realization like, uh-oh. <laughs> and they usually don't they usually don't do that. They live yeah. in this delusional place. Um I want to throw this out there that I should have known this, but this is a little bit surprising to me. So Colby only hit two thirty eight last year. He's hitting two twenty nine right now. Yeah. And um he had sixty one RBIs last year, he has forty three right now, he had twenty five home runs, he has eleven right now. Not good. So um he's not scoring as many runs. Um his slugging's 100 points off. Uh, his on-base percentage went from 314 to 305 right now. So this is not – he's not playing good at all right now, but we're not talking about some catastrophic yeah. drop-off. Like this is – he's going to research. He's going it, – it's going to be okay. It's just right now it's not good. That's it. He needs to sacrifice a few possums, do some pagan witchery in, in, the, in the jungle, and we'll be fine. <sighs> I don't. I, I mean, he's important to this team. I, I feel like he's a a secret glue that uh, I see that's him just not talked about. I see him more as a clubhouse presence. Than, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like he's uh, he's imp- very important that way. And, and of course, when he's producing, he's very important. But I, I I think that the guys respect him and that he's a clubhouse glue and glue guys that can also play at an all-star level are uber important. Yeah. Um, right, what else do we got? Let's get to some fun stuff. We've been pretty serious this time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we, got to the, we had some uni talk on uh, on Twitter today, which I don't know. Actually, you know what? Before uni, I'd like to talk about Ken Griffey Jr. Um, yeah, let's talk Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Ken Griffey. Um, death to the writer that did not vote him in, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You like just out of pure spite. There is no way that that was a logical decision. Uh, is it because you know Babe Ruth fucked your mother? I don't know. <laughs> Apologize for taking it there. I had to. Uh, Griffey was my idol growing up. Um, I throw right-handed, but learned to bat left-handed because of uh, because of guys like that. And uh, I always had a Ken Griffey glove. Best swing that I've ever seen. And then, uh, so yeah, congratulations to him on getting in. Uh, but I have a great story for you. Go for it. 
because Ken Griffey's a guy that, you know, he did the backwards hat and stuff, but he was very methodical and very robotic in how he approached the game. Like, so people didn't see him as a guy with a, a ton of personality. Um, the Reds were in town, and I don't remember what year it was, but we were obviously in NL Central. And he made an error out in the outfield. So one of my buddies, we were actually we were sitting in the diamond box that night. So it was a uh, a luxury night for us, which yeah. was amazing. So we were uh, he was getting into him while he was in the on deck circle, um, just about the error and everything. And he uh, you know was pine towering up his bat and had to wait and swinging two bats, whatever the shit he was doing, just getting ready to hit. And he knocked off the the bat weight. And right before he went up to the plate turn, he was like, hey, kid, how many fucking gold gloves do you have? <laughs> and, and, like, he didn't, he was in his kitchen all night, so and he was talking about this one play, and it was, it was like a hard foul ball to get to, like, and he just didn't make the play. Um, and he was just like, yeah, he was like, by the way, kid, how many fucking gold gloves do you have? And it was the best thing that maybe I've ever heard. And, and Ken Griffey doesn't do shit like that, so, yeah. or I've never seen him do it. So it was just great, and then he went, and I don't remember what he did, but that was my Ken Griffey story. I think it's fantastic <laughs> and very true. Because what does he have? Nine or ten of them? Yeah, it's a lot. So <laughs> what a what a great player. Uh, I mean, God bless him. Him and Piazza, you know, very deserving. Hopefully next year it's uh, Bagwell gets in. It will be. I think it will, and we should do a live Lima time time from Cooley's uh, in downtown uh, downtown Cooperstown. So. Let's drive to Cooperstown together. It's it. I've done it. I've driven. And hold hands. I've um, driven. No, we don't have to hold hands. But no, that's something I need to do, uh, and preferably to see the the next Astro before Altuve and Correa get in would be nice. Yeah. No, I've I've made that drive from Cooperstown to Houston, and it is absolutely miserable. And and I know like there's some the the, the I'm trying to J S Mountain. What's the drive from Syracuse or from Albany? Or Buffalo. I don't. I don't know where it is. I mean, in, if you, in New York, if you straight up drive from Houston to Cooperstown, no, I'm talking about flying into somewhere and then driving. Okay, like, fly, so where, what's the best place to fly into New York to do it? Because I'm, I'm seriously considering doing it if he gets in. Ideally, ideally, you fly into Albany because it's about 75, 80 minutes from Albany to Cooperstown. Okay. Syracuse is about two hours, so it's a little bit longer, but but it's not. You know, it's not that bad. Um, it's a pretty drive. I mean, it's it's yeah, Cooperstown's oh, gorgeous. Oh, for sure. So. Um, but if you were to drive from Houston, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that's just, that's just stupid. I know for a fact it's 17 hours from 15 to 17 from Houston to Nashville and it's 18 from Nashville to Cooperstown. So you're looking at like 33 hours in the car. If you were just nope. going to drive it, I'm out. I, we, there was I, one. I wish I had a podcast I could listen to for that amount of time. Oh shit. I do. Oh, damn. It's me. Um, uh, um there was, yeah, I'll t- no. I'll tell a quick story. There was one Christmas that we were going to drive, that, that we drove from Cooperstown to Houston and then drove back. We didn't have our daughter at this point. But um, we were we drove back to Nashville, and we were looking at like an 18-hour drive. We were going to split it up and like stay in Maryland one night. And there was a, a blizzard that went up I-81 and from Knoxville to basically Binghamton. And we decided, all right, we'll just chill out in Nashville for an extra day, and then we'll drive, you know, we'll drive the whole thing. We'll make it in one stretch the next day. And we drove, I, pardon me, I drove, because my, 
I, it, it, with me and my wife, like I drive every inch. It's it's just a weird. It, it's not. Wait, like a, what? You drive every inch? Damn, girl. It, it, <laughs> it's not a misogynistic. Like I just, I'll I'll drive so she can. If she wants to be on the phone, be a be a read. If she wants to sleep, whatever. I'm I I'm, I'm okay driving. So we drove from Nashville to Salem, Virginia, and stopped at a Starbucks after eight and a half hours. And I realized like. We're not even, I've driven eight and a half hours and I'm not even halfway home. And I had a mental, a complete mental breakdown. Like the dog jumped up in the front seat and knocked my coffee over on my lap. And I thought like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill somebody if not myself first. I should probably kill myself first. And it was, so do not drive from Houston to Cooperstown because it's the worst. Got it. Um, Fly, spend the 300 bucks to, to fly into Albany. Uh, or Syracuse and, or even like Philadelphia, or you can fly to New York city and get a train and rent a car from Poughkeepsie or something like that. So it sounds, it sounds like the thirties. I'm not into it. No. Yeah. Don't drive like fly. Get a train flying to Poughkeepsie and then we'll get lucky strike cigarettes (laughs) and it'll all be good from there. The Pittsburgh Pirates are playing the Washington center today in a day game. It's perfect. So uh, let's get to some uh, Twitter questions we've, that we haven't already got to. Um, yeah, li- let's do that. We don't do that a lot, so yeah, no. let's do that for sure. In line of the Chris Sale meltdown, what's your favorite Astros or opponent meltdown? And I've got one off the top of my head I'm ready to go with. Uh, yeah, yeah, please shoot first because I did, was not prepared for this. Okay, so my favorite Astros opponent meltdown is Julian Tavares beating the crap out of the bullpen phone. Uh, in the NLCS, um, and basically, and breaking his hand that that was my favorite. So when uh, Beltran hit a home run, that was like six inches off the ground. So that's that's Beltran in 04. That's my favorite Astros opponent meltdown. Hmm. What's your favorite Astros meltdown? Did you just tell me and I wasn't listening? No. No, I you don't. Have, you don't have one, and then I'm throwing you for it. See, that's what you do to me. Yeah, when you ask questions, I'm not ready for. So the, the Astros don't fight. They don't fight back. So I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this one. There hasn't been an Astros meltdown that I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, uh, who, who was it that uh, took the base with him? That was fucking funny. Um, opponent. They weren't playing him. It was just funny. I'm just thinking of meltdowns in general. There's a lot of them that are great. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the listeners have lists. They have these like the shit ready yeah, for whatever no, they're, reason. They're, I don't know why play. that they're always good at this shit. That's why they're gonna say we're terrible. Um, which? Oh yeah, because yeah. What, what what do you expect from us? Like we can do all this at. I don't remember anything. I can't remember what I ate for lunch two days ago. I have no <laughs> idea. Which of the 2017 free agent candidates do you resign? Which to let go? Which get qualifying offers? So, so you have Valbuena. Do you resign him? Do you let him go? Or do you qualifying offer him? Uh, you let him go. Okay, Carlos Gomez. You let him go. Uh, JSD, Jason Castro. Uh, qualifying offer, depending, but uh, possibly let go as well. That's a good call. Depending on what Gattis, depending on what Gattis does and what Stassi, uh, there's a lot of different things. Colby Rasmus. Uh, um, 
I think, qualifying offer, depending on if he's willing to take less money to stay with us. There's some factors there, but he's probably another guy that's gone to. I agree. I agree pretty much this, all, this, right? this is depressing, but this is just baseball. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that there are ways to work around most of them. Um, so you agree Valbuena, no matter what he does, is gone. I still think he may be a, a trade deadline commodity. I don't want him to be just the way he's playing and he's so versatile. Um, but now that we have two third basemen, he's... About as this is about as great a time to trade as somebody like that. This is as you, as, as you could have. Like this is like this. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, if no, you're a GM. Is, so I I love Albuena. I love what he's done this year. He's played the some of the best baseball he ever has. He's great in the field. Um, love the bat flips. Great hmm. dude. But if you, uh, if from a business standpoint, you, you gotta you gotta at least float that out there. If you're gonna sell high on Valbuena, this is the highest time to sell him. So I agree for sure, and with and and being protected, it's yeah, because we have multiple first basements, um, from down in the minors to Marwin when he's healthy to yeah, so we're good. Yeah, uh, 2017 opening day. Where is Bregman playing? Is he at third, left, center? Uh, he's in left field. I agree with that. So the idea being that Guriel is at third. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, he's a, a strictly infield guy. I know he's played some some outfield in spot places, but I mean, so did Bergman. <laughs> <laughs> so, does Teoscar Hernandez figure into 2016 at all? Ooh. I think he's a 2017 guy. Like I think because I mean, he spent the last two years at Double A, and he started 2015 at Double A, and he was terrible. And then, right. and then, so he repeated uh, 2016. Started the season at Corpus, hit in the 300s, and I don't have his stats off the top of my head, but but did well enough to get called up at the same time Bregman did to Fresno, and has hit as well as Bregman has. So between Derek Fisher and Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield for Fresno, I'm okay with letting Gomez and Rasmus go because of the promise of those two. Do you think? But do you think he's a September call-up, or do you think they just hold off until 2017? Uh, either or on that, I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm good. I'm good with either. Is what I really meant. What I wanted to ask you is, what is your what's your price to keep Rasmus? Where would you like ballpark wise? Where would you like to stay around to keep him, even if it's the same one year deal shit and keep doing that over and over again until we're done with him? Because I don't want a multi year deal out of Rasmus. Okay, so Rasmus is getting, but he's not done playing by any means, and and he still brings value. Rasmus is getting almost sixteen million this Shit. year. Okay, yeah. which which in baseball that's that's I mean it's a chunk of money, but it's not stupid. All right, so Guriel is getting almost ten. Right. I I feel like if 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 the going rate for one point oh war is seven million, if. <laughs> 
if if Rasmus would sign for like two and twenty to be the backup outfielder, fourth outfielder, uh, that even that even saying that out loud, I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't know either, and I don't know. I mean, with all the with all the dudes coming up, it makes I mean, you could either pay Rasmus two ten million a year on the on the low end to do what a guy from AAA would do for five hundred thousand. That gives you more flexibility to sign a dude like Springer long term or Altuve long term. Right. Which I think they they're doing no matter what, and that's why I, I kind of asked that. What do you think? Uh, I mean, what kind of market do you think is out there for him? Because see, I don't think I don't think it's great. There, there is much of one, so I, I I feel like Colby is weird enough, um, and I don't mean weird from a religious aspect, but I think that plays into <laughs> it. Like I think that he is the kind of guy that would take less money and would would value certain other things like camaraderie and loyalty and clubhouse stuff over over contracts because he's set either way and I could be completely wrong this this is all just me inferring my own my own projections onto onto Colby no, but I, I think that. if there's one guy that that would be like cool to do that I mean, he was the first. Colby might be one of them. He's not a guy that's just going to chase to get that extra, you know, point five or that extra mil or whatever it is. Well, he was the first dude to to accept a qualifying offer, so obviously he's a little right. bit He's a little bit different, you know. That you give him one sixteen or or three forty, he's going to take the one sixteen, which maybe maybe other players wouldn't do. So, and he got here, and he got here just enough to see like. It come together like so. He's like part of the group that could be all time Astros great teams. Yeah. So I I don't know, and I and we're looking at it from an outside looking in. So and it's business, obviously. Sometimes you might take extra money to go work for some place that you would never want to work in your life, but you got to do what you got to do. So I get yeah. it, but I don't know. I feel like he's quirky and weird enough to. Uh, to look at all factors into uh, resigning, or maybe he's just not part of the part of the picture, and that's just that. Maybe, he but that's works. rough getting rid of Rasmus and Gomez and those and Valbuena, three veterans being a lock. And I think at least two out of three of them are gone for sure. I think Gomez is gone for sure. I do too. Um, and and I think Valbuena is either moved or he's gone. We're not paying him that to. I don't know. It depends what he does for the rest of the year. So maybe Valbueno, we'll just wait and see. If Valbueno but is I, those... we kind of know who he is, and or at least I do. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you if, do. If he's you know one, who he is. If he's one of those dudes that that figures it all out at thirty, it's one of the weirdest success stories in all of baseball. Which, but he wouldn't be the first, so it's not like that hasn't happened. But yeah, you're right. All right. So final question, and we should probably go ahead and bang this. Um, we're only at fifty-two, honestly. But well, that I was, want to do the uniform thing. That was so two questions because we had fifty-two after because we had to reconnect because of internet's stupid. Uh-huh. Um All right, so let's talk uh, uniforms. I'm not going to complain about my Minute Maid Park experience because it, overall it was great. 
Um, you sure? No, go ahead and rant on that real quick. We'll we'll get through this. We'll do. We'll get out of here in a in a few minutes. Uh, the right. uniform talk won't take long. I went it's to. I went to my wife and I went to Minute Maid Park on Friday night. We saw the two to one win. Uh, Astros win over the Angels, and my only gripe is that is that Dadgum concessions are far too expensive. In the in the if you want like a Tall Boy Modelo, which would normally cost you like a like two nineteen two twenty nine at a gas station, it was it was twelve twenty five. And yeah, that's rough. I mean, I'd like legitimate like I'm not making that number up. Like it was twelve it was in the twelve, twenty five, twelve seventy five range. Like that is that is freak that's airport mentality, like, oh you want a beer? Well, you can't leave, so uh you're gonna pay you're gonna pay twelve dollars. So I mm, if you and if you're okay with having twenty four thousand people on a Friday night in the middle of a pennant race, paying twelve dollars a beer, okay. But maybe you drop that to like four or five, and maybe you pick up an extra fourteen or fifteen thousand people because you can actually once you afford once you can pay to get in, you can you can pay to like stay hydrated. Um, that's my only that's my only complaint. It's a it's a lovely ballpark. It's my favorite ballpark in the world. Um, it is. It's beautiful, and it's a, and there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. Um, and this isn't Homer talk. It's every time I go there. I'm just like, oh wow, and especially in in fall and then early in the season when the roofs open, yeah, and uh, especially certain seats with the skyline that you can see, it's just it's fantastic. It's it's a great ballpark. Um, but you're seriously, I, and gonna, I think that you're gonna pay you, you're gonna charge people twelve twenty five for a for a, a a Negro Modelo Tall Boy. Come on, man. I mean, like, give give the, you're trying to rebuild trust in your community. Like, give, <laughs> give the people a chance. Yeah, right. This should have been the year that they, that they did that. Um, and I think that they could still like rip us off with beer. Like, come, like, give me a seven fifty or an eight dollar bill yeah. beer. Like, I'll I'll pay that, and that's still a lot. But that extra two to four bucks like goes a long way. And they're weird numbers too, to where. Like the change is weird, so you're forced to tip, so they're getting even more. Yeah. Not that I, not that I don't want to tip, because I do, because those people put up with a bunch of shit. Yeah. But they, it's just they're forcing hands, and I don't like my hand being forced. Yeah. So Jim Crane, I know you listen. I actually don't know that, but he does. He does. But like, shoot for the seven to eight. We at least to where I'm like, okay, you know, I'll. I'm only here a couple times a year because of the school year and whatnot, but. But I'll, I'll pay seven bucks for a Modelo, you know, not not twelve twenty five for a tall boy. Like throw throw the people a bone. You want to make you want to make your stadium a destination. Then if you're not going to be reasonable, at, at, at least not be like war crimes uh, level of extortion. If you want to have an adult beverage, and it's not like Coke's or any carbonated beverage is any cheaper. Uh, oh no, everything is. It's just ridiculous, and and I'm saying that as a dude that would that would do just about anything to go to an Astros game whenever I wanted. That was freaking ridiculous, and uh, stop doing that. So, but you weren't surprised, though. I was surprised by twelve twenty five. Were you really? Were you really for a for a twenty for a tall boy for a premium beer? That's that's about right. Is Modelo premium? Uh, Necromodelo, yeah, it's considered 
a premium beer. At that point, we're talking about like fifty cents an ounce. That's ridiculous. So yeah, no, it it is. I don't know. Okay, so I looked up. I just looked up some of the cheapest beer by the ounce. <laughs> this is so cliche. Um, who do you think has the cheapest beer by the ounce? PBR. No, the uh, franchise. No. Uh, For 12 ounces. Oh, man. Cheapest beer by the ounce franchise. It's got to be... You know, like you know you know who it is. I'm going to say the Braves. No. Who, who, do you pick, who do you picture just drinking a lot? Mm. Like who are a bunch of drunken assholes? So many possibilities. Cardinals. No. All right. The Boston Red Sox are at are at sixty five cents by wow. the ounce. Wow. Um, second, surprisingly, the New York Yankees at fifty cents. What? And there's a few teams. Yeah, the New York Yankees, the San Francisco Giants, the Miami Marlins, and the Seattle Mariners are always are all at fifty cents and uh, by the ounce. Uh, the Houston Astros are at thirty six. So I guess that that's the most expensive, right? So I'm I'm looking at the wrong way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The major league average is 15 ounces, 40 cents per ounce. Okay. And so it looks like the cheapest is the Los Angeles Angels garbage, 28 <laughs> cents per ounce for 16 ounces, and the Diamondbacks 29, and the Rangers 31 cents for a 16 ounce. Dodgers, 31 cents for 20 ounces of beer per ounce. So that's what, like six, $6 for a 20-ounce beer? Yeah, like that's what – like that. so it, it can be done. But we're at 36, so we're at the – we're below the average, and we're getting killed. So oh, crap. I, that, that's there was that's no- where they're making their money is with these, these craft beers and these premium beers and like yeah. the St. Arnold's thing. I think they should do some promotional stuff and like – and just have like a, a beer weekend. And it, you don't have to get people hammered. It's still going to be expensive, but like, give us those three or four extra bucks. Yeah, seriously, to buy like another beer, you know, every third beer, you know, you give us some flexibility here. Come on. Anyway. Uh, okay, so quick. Okay, so I know we're running long. So okay, so uniforms. The Astros uniforms rule. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the orange with the blue bill. How do you feel about that? Um. I, I hate it. I actually hate it, and I don't know why. And I've talked about this a lot on Twitter with multiple people. Color-coordinating-wise, it should work. Everything else works. It just doesn't. I hated the pinstripe and cursive so much that I, that, that I overvalue the orange and blue. So whatever combination of orange and blue, at least I look back and think, well, it's not the pinstripe and cursive, so I love it. So I'm not objective here. Okay, I, I get it. I, I actually, and I talked about this too, I got in a big uniform thing before I went to the movie. Um, <laughs> I initially liked the the pinstripe and brick red because coming from where the uniform we were coming from, it, it felt baseball-y. Yeah. You know, and the colors brick red. It was pinstripe and it was cursive and it was just cleaner. And then I, even though they were good, I gradually hated it and hated it and hated it. Um, 
I think the most popular response that I got was that people want to see the the star, the shooting star incorporated, whether it's the actual uniform or if it's modernized and, and worked in. People feel like they love the uniforms now. The colors are great, but it's a little basic. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I, I mean, my thing with the with the the pinstripe and the cursive is that it was it was trying too hard to be because all was. I saw with the pinstripes of the Yankees and all I saw with the cursive with the Dodgers and like they're trying too hard to have like a, some sort of classic uniform Phillies yeah like it's you're, it's not original at all but the orange and blue with the with White the, Sox the, everybody but the Cubs and they they just have their logo but everybody with the pinstripes for the most part. Are uh, cursive teams? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got I got a bunch of suggestions for vests, even for a Sunday, like a Sunday vest. Interesting. I, I I don't know how I feel about it. I I go back and forth on that one. I'm whatever. Um, what else was there? Right. And then I got. You'll have to go on to my Twitter timeline to see, but there's this like, I guess it was just a concept hat. From the seventies, and they sell it at lids, and it's like it's rainbow, but it's four or five A's, very seventies TV in a row, and then it has an A with a star, and it looks like shit, but so many people <laughs> love it. Um, so I'm I'll, I'll I'll retweet myself, even though that's not people don't like that. I'm gonna do it, so you can check that out when you hear this, um, and see that hat. You can go actually go buy that, but people were into that. Um, okay, and before we sign off, what's your, besides the Diamondbacks, because that's easy, we all hate it, what's your most hated and what's your most loved uniform in the league? Oh, man. Um, excluding the Astros, my favorite uniform is the Tigers. With oh yeah, great great color combination. I love the I love the font. Um, yeah, everything the about home. it is great, and for the love of the game, it's such a beautiful movie. The <laughs> great, the, great, great choice. The home tigers with a D uh, script, old English script. That's my favorite. Um, I don't I don't know the road with the the blue with the orange D is the orange dick. Ha ha. Uh, it. Got it. I just had to get something stupid and dumb in. Uh, um, no, that's one of my favorite hats ever. My least favorite <coughs> is um, I'm gonna go Marlins. Uh, no, new, that's not- yeah, New Marlins. Yeah, I, I think the uniforms overall are bad. But I was telling somebody earlier that there's something about that hat that I don't know why I like it, but especially the orange one. Like when it when it's with the uniform, there's something about it that I like, and I don't know why, and I shouldn't, and I know it's rainbow and weird, and I know I shouldn't, but I kind of like it. Yeah, even as I said that, I thought that's not true. Take it back. Um, I sort of like the Marlins. I like the blue and the teal and the orange and the white and the black. Um, I'm trying to look to see. I, I think the I don't like the inconsistency of Tampa Bay. Like, are you a sun ray? Are you a devil ray? What the fuck kind of ray are you? Are you a laser ray? Are you, like, are you just a guy named Ray? Are you Ray Liotta? What kind of fucking ray are you? If they turn themselves into the Tampa Bay Ray Liotas, I would. Well, yeah, then I'm on board. I'd switch. Then it's like, hey, go get your shine box. I know that's not him, but you know what I mean. (laughs) 
I'd abandon the Astros for the Tampa Bay Rayliotas. Yeah, the Rayliotas. That's too good. Uh, okay. So I'm looking at teams right now so I can give you mine and then we can sign the fuck off. No, I'm um, just thinking, yeah. Um, I'm, a classic, I'm a classic uniform guy. Um, so I'd have to say San Francisco Giants is my favorite. Okay. Um, and I really do love what the Astros have done lately. I think if they can like I don't know, spruce it up isn't the right word. There's just it's just too blocky and basic. The colors are right, the hats right, the color everything's right. There's it's just something. Can I tell you a quick like inside? Uh, you can do whatever you want, James Yasko. <laughs> a quick inside baseball logo design uh, story. Um, Please and, and not many, and and it, it maybe it's one of those things that you're either gonna be like, oh yeah, of course, or holy crap, this blew my mind. So the guy that designed the Braves tomahawk logo, yeah, okay. So the home unis for the Braves, well, like the tomahawk under the Braves, under the Braves and cursive. Those were badass uniforms. Yeah. So I that, guess they still are. Yeah. That dude went to the Virginia Military Institute, uh, VMI. Okay. So he paid homage to his uh, alma mater when he designed the Braves logo because if you look at the stitching of the tomahawk, it looks like yeah, yeah it's stitched. But but if you if you look at it like you're looking for a VMI, the sti- the yellow stitching on the black tomahawk of the Braves home unis, it actually spells out VMI. What? Yeah, go look uh, at it. I, I, I don't know if I like that. So the there is a VMI on the Braves, uh, the old school, uh, older, not not so old, but but the older school like Braves uh, home unis. It very clearly says VMI in the stitching of the tomahawk. Ugh. the Braves, Barves. All right, I'm reading. I'm reading through from my most hated, and then we are done. Um, I've got to throw the Brewers up there. I've got to throw the Rockies up there. Um, Wait, the Brewers like the M and the B? Because I didn't figure that out until like 10 years ago. You know what I didn't figure out for a really long time? Is, yeah. Uh, the Montreal Expos. Yeah, I always thought that was ELB. I never knew that was just an M. Yeah, I thought it was just like... The way they, they, yeah, it didn't make sense to me for a long time, and I felt really stupid, obviously. French crap, yeah. I was a kid, but still, I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> um, you know what? And this is gonna sound like it's all planned and scripted i don't like the rangers uniforms no i don't i don't, I don't like the waving flag on their arm it's pandering i don't i don't like that it's pandering i don't like them taking our state's colors and then kind of adjusting it a little bit no. I, I it's just something about it i don't like and it has nothing to do with who they are no, it has everything to do with who they are and what they stand for and how just like they have you. they don't have any cool like Texas Rangers, like, Sheriff Stars on there. Like, that'd be cool. The Rangers are the cracker barrel of baseball uniforms. Like, they're just going for nostalgia, and that's all they're appealing to. So, screw the Rangers. Like, the Nolan Ryan, straight up, like, weird, like, Toros, like, block T. That was cool. But this whole, like, ornate shit. Yeah. With, like, eight different depth colors outlining the names and numbers. No. Morally bankrupt. Rangers. Hate them so much. All right, let's kill them all. There is one thing I love more than getting my pitch 
over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. You get a free child's play, put your sticker stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole, fresh today.